Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, The Neil Henry Story, Part 2. In Part 1, we spoke the early years and his first big break. We covered origin and dealing with Todd Carney's Canberra sacking. The story continues. For coaches, I see guys that haven't played 200 first-grade games and 18 origins as being at a disadvantage like yourself and Anthony Seabold or a Brad Arthur. A disadvantage in the respect that coaches that have played have dealt with the media for years. They've lived through the off-field stuff. They get used to the awkward lines of questioning. They're used to the spotlight to a degree. You guys aren't. It's got nothing to do with football knowledge at all. Is that a fair call? Because... It's a huge personal adjustment, life in the spotlight. Oh, it is, and you know, a small place that's footy mad like um, Townsville, mm. you can't go anywhere without someone talking to you, yep. saying good day, talking footy. Now, that to me, that, that's not a negative at all. Yeah, like I've got no problems with that, and and I'm more than happy, more than happy to. You know, to have a chat because that's what the fans are about. They love their footy. And, um, the other spotlight is when there's negativity or accountability or yeah. there's no accountability from the media or there's just a rumour. And it's it's not a pleasant environment. And all coaches go through it when there's rumours about their tenure, about yeah. how you're going and and that you're going to be sacked or you've lost the dressing room. It's a favourite term that journos like to yep. toss up now and – all those sorts of things. Now, where do they get information from? Sometimes organisations leak. Yeah. And um, and I've been, I've been... You've lived through that. that. I've lived through that. Um, and sometimes uh, player managers have got an agenda and they want to talk to journos and they and journos will ring them to get information. And that's it. It's the old thing with the journos. They start with a rumour and if the rumour goes around and comes back to them, they write it. You know, like yeah, now it's right. fact because yeah. it hasn't really come from me. It's come from all these other people. Yeah. And, and so there are, and and the way it's it, it's now portrayed that once there's an agenda, that the only thing that can fix that is winning games. Yep. But that's a very simplistic approach because the media is so uh, out there now that it does have an effect on the players because it can become a downward spiral a little bit around morale around the place. Now it's up to the coach to you know, to, to handle that and, and get the players playing well, but but that. Because you start winning games doesn't mean there's not issues in clubs. Yeah. So I think, um, so I think that and that has been proven too. Yep. Um, so you need um, you need to handle that, but it does get personal. It does get personal if there's cameras following you around. Like yeah, I've had cameras you know, at the front of my house, you know, in Townsville. Yeah, I had the same yeah. on the Gold Coast. You know, like you know, a camera crew following you to where you live yep. and then wanting to do an interview at your front door. Now, I think – you know, and I know that happens to other people, but I don't think it's right. You know, like, and I, I don't want to wish it on anyone. Yeah. You know, a player, I don't, you would, shouldn't have if that happening. You know, um, with with players or anyone. So that that's unpleasant. But people will say, "Well, you paid good money. You're out there in the media. So you just got to suck it up." I said, "Well, until you experience that, um, you might have a different view. It's easy yeah. to sit back and and to say that that's that's part of it, but it's not really part of it." 
the rumour mill in rugby league in the game and throughout the media is vicious and it shows no signs of stopping anytime soon. When you're a head coach and you wake up to 16 missed calls and you know something's happening and it's a rumour, what's your first thought? Is it, oh, fuck, not again? Or are you aware that on occasion where there's smoke, there's fire? Yeah, well, I, I, to me, I was pretty relaxed about it. I, I, I never sort of go to bed at night thinking, oh, what the player's up to now or what's happening. You know, we did have a bit of a rough trot uh, on the Gold Coast with a few things and we had players in isolation for a while. They were training on their own. I'd go and see them at a different oval. They were stood down and, you know, and the club, I think, you know, reacted in a pretty um, – Straightforward way, which I was okay with, you know, like yep. until and, and until everything was sorted out in, in the courts, um, it was okay. You know, there is an image to protect there, but but you still need to do the right thing by your players. You yep. know, and they hadn't been to court, and and uh, so nothing, no charges were laid. So it was one of those things. I I didn't really worry about it too much. I had faith in in um, other people handling some of those things, but you become the point of call for those things, and and. Um, yeah, you know, it's part and parcel. The rumor, innuendo, side stories. I mean, that's what generates programs. That's yeah. that's that's the stuff. I mean, we don't really have enough football analysis that's valid in yes. our game. I think. I mean, you know, certain people can do it, and a lot of people can't. No, that's and right. We've now got um, journos that you would never see their head on screen because they write for the newspapers. Yeah. Suddenly, their heads on the screen sometimes twice or three times a week, yeah. and they're now the, the experts of the game. I don't think so. Um, and but it carries it carries a fair bit of weight, you know. When it certainly does, yeah. Because when that's when that topic is talked about on a on a show, um, that then becomes copy as an article for their paper. <laughs> for their paper, yeah. so it ends up being online as well. But it, it might be way off the mark, you know. So. I think we've got a lot of armchair experts there that um, I think that I also love reading, you know, Warren Ryan when he wrote his columns. Yeah. Like in Steve Ricketts, you know, up here at the, the Kurima, they understood the game. Yes. They could write about the game and and it didn't have to always be positive, mm. but what they did, they understood the game. And I think that we, we, we live in a world now of really knee-jerk reactions to stuff and it's got to be a topic. We've got to make it – you've got to make the headline worse than the story – and then the journos don't take they don't take responsibility either. The headline's not me; it's a sub editor. Mm. Um, but the story's got no relevance to the headline anyway. So no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But it's again, it's about selling papers. Let's be positive. Let's talk about the emergence of Jonathan Thurston. You were on the scene in those early years. Were you aware something special was brewing? Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember Maza and Pari went to see him. Peter Parr went to see him play a game in Sydney in Can- when he's playing for Canterbury. And then I I went and watched him play a couple of games with um, with Parry. And he was playing reserve grade for the Bulldogs. Yep. And they were playing out the showground, I think. And um, They were. And I'm thinking, yeah. And, and he, he had something special. Like he yep. was just pop up all the time. He was on the ball. He'd have a crack. He, he weighed about 75 kilos, ringing wet. Mm. He had his headgear on. There's nothing of him. But... He could make things happen around him, and he, he seemed to have time. He wasn't particularly fast, but when he threw his dummy, he went through. He invariably made a break, 
Um, so I thought, yeah, this guy can play. And uh, and he had a couple of halves in front of him, so they'd um, as well. So Braith and Astrid, I think, had a couple of years to go. Brent Sherwin, maybe and, around. Uh, Shifty Sherwin. Yeah. He was. He had a couple of years to go as well. Yep. So he didn't really have a an immediate pathway. Yep. And I think that was a selling point. We're saying, well, come up to the Cowboys. You can be you're the starting half and you can run the show. You know, like that's that's what we want. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and thankfully he, you know, I suppose talking to Sammy Ayub and, and, and again, the club could see that he was pretty special. So his, his wages down for, for the Bulldogs, he wouldn't have been on a lot. Yeah, because you know, they they got him out of school. Yes, and they and they did a great job to get him there, and they obviously developed him a bit. But I think you know, we could come in and go, no, we value him at this straight up, and so it made it difficult. Um, and um, and the club got him. I'm going to reveal some inside stories here and information. But you and I obviously is a very smart footy brain. But even more importantly than that. You have a reputation as a very trusted bloke within a playing group or club, and I think that's actually more important. You would support them unreservedly in on- and off-field issues. You back them. Every successful coach needs that trait and that trust. The amount of off-field incidents and issues that happen in every club would probably shock most people. How important is it to be one of the team without being one of the boys. Yeah, that's a fine line and um, and you need to, you know, to gain your players' trust um, straight up. I mean, you know, your coaching department's there to, to, get, to extract the best out of your players, yep. to, to let them be the person that they want to be and to, and to enjoy success and develop. Now, it's, for some players, that might be just playing one NRL game in your squad and they've achieved their dream by playing yeah. one. Uh, we keep forgetting that, the ten-year players are quite rare. I mean, the, the average yeah. career is high forties or forty-five to forty-seven NRL games. We we keep forgetting that you know these two hundred, three hundred game players so they're, they're quite rare, considering the percentage of players that play the game. So um, they're not in the game for a long time. So you've got to maximise um, their abilities and get them to a point. There is a lot of management. See, there's a massive step up from being an assistant coach where you can really you can be a player's buddy. You're teaching them, you're reviewing their stuff, you're sitting down with them, uh, you, you're talking to them on the field and yeah. all that, but you're not making the hard calls. You're, you're not, not the, the guy that's saying, but you know what, you're not playing this week. Yeah. Um, I didn't think you were too good last week. Give you a couple of reasons. You've got to work on your defence there or your, you know, your lateral movement, whatever. Yep. Say, so need to go back and work on that mm. and then we'll see how we go. But this guy deserves an opportunity above you. Every week you're making decisions about dropping and picking players. And that has an impact on them. And and sometimes it's negative. Uh, they don't agree with you. They don't see it as you see it. If you don't communicate that quite well to the player, well, then they don't really sometimes know why they've been dropped. Yeah. Well, they refuse to believe what you said is the reason for it. Um, some players react differently. And particularly, you know, the players, the, players, the older players are on the back end of their career yeah. and, and they're on their way out and you've got a young guy coming up uh, that mightn't have the consistency, but you need that energy. Um, and then, and and of course, you've just been dropped from your place of work for a week or yep. two or three or four or forever. Uh, contract negotiations. I mean, there. So there's the management side of it. How you handle those relationships is very important. And I was new to it all as a coach. 
And I didn't have any training in that other than I'd been a teacher, so I'd worked with people and colleagues before, which I think certainly helped. Yeah. And there's quite a number of you know ex-teachers that have been coaches yeah. too, which is no surprise really. But but um, but that side of it compared when, when I stepped out of being an assistant coach to a head coach was a massive step up because now you are, as you talked about before, we are front and centre for media. Yep. We are the focal point for the club. You're running a department and all the players. So the questions come to you. So I think um, that, but the trust is is integral part of it. Um, things that you say to a player, in the confidence of your of your office, or even you say to your squad in the sanctum of you're talking about an issue with the playing group, should not get out of those walls. It should not be mentioned. It's only relevant there if if you've got an issue you're talking about as a group and you're saying this is important to us. We need to keep this here. Okay, move on. Um, those sorts of organisations where it doesn't get out, they're the ones that are going well, okay, because uh, there's not leaks there, there's players are buying into what it's about. Um, but, again, that trust between you and the player for an issue that might be completely out of football, yeah. and it often is, yeah, it is, that is really important. And that you can help that player and say, well, there's an avenue, let's go and see this person about that. It might be financial advice, it might be mental health issues, it might be family or relationship yep. problems. You need to talk about it. Okay, we need to sort this out. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. You've just mentioned speaking to a playing group within the dressing room at training and you term it the inner sanctum, which it is, and it should be the vault where nothing escapes. You wake up two days later and your conversation is relayed in the media. What's your first thoughts? Yeah, it's disappointing, and and, and you can let it burden you a little bit and and, uh-huh. um, and then try and have a bit of a witch hunt to find out. But I found that's a waste of time. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the, I've handled it before with my senior players, saying, that, well, this is we've talked about this and this has got out. Um, you know, we need to find out or or we need to... If you know, deal with it. I don't need need to know. You come and nod and say it's been dealt with. I don't need to know who it was. Yeah. So we, we just need to be able to say that we're a tight ship here. This is what's happened, and it's got out. And and player managers ask their players questions. Well, how did you react to that fifty point loss on the weekend? Yeah. What was said? Did you have an emergency meeting or something? And then and then that suddenly becomes crisis meeting yes. at uh, the club. You know, like mm. players, you know, demand answers. Oh, who knows? But that has happened, um, and I'd say that it'd be through uh, through management normally. July 29, 2013, you got the tap on the shoulder, as I've found out. We all get it at some stage. Yep. Obviously disappointed, but how do you deal with it because it is in such a public manner? Within an hour, the world of rugby league knows. Yeah, it was, it was disappointing Um at the Cowboys for a couple of reasons. One was that the decision was made to not give me my extension, which was agreed to, um, at a board meeting. 
Um, but but I was going to be told a few weeks later. Okay. Okay. But in the media, um, straight after their board meeting, which might have been on a Friday or Saturday, I think we played Cronulla. I think we had a win. Anyway, it happened. I started to then get questions, something about rumours about Neil Henry's contract is not going to be honoured. So it came out. So from that board meeting, it was in the media two days later. And that was difficult. So that's someone at a high level. Yeah. So someone out of that board meeting yeah, or out of that who knew, it mm. got out because it was on radio uh, and it was it was a couple of – and then I started – so we didn't win a game and then then we won one and then then I started getting asked, asked questions. And I knew nothing about it, so I was just telling the line which I knew. I said, I agreed to a further 12-month extension mm. on my contract. You know, so, we, you know, we played – we were on track to play finals. We did. We played finals football yeah. um, for those three years in a row. Um, and I thought, well, okay – yeah, but so I was disappointed that obviously that these things happen and true to form when a certain person came back from overseas, called into the office and bang, we're not going to, okay. I said, well, I, I sort of knew that. I've actually been dealing with this when you've been away. In your absence, yeah. In your absence. So I said, and I said that points towards this organisation. Yeah. I had a crack back. But you know what? At the end, you can't be bitter about it. I mean, I had five years there. We made mm. three finals out of it. There is an element. I keep. I talk to people about it. There is an element of um, your voice does become tired after a while, you know. And they want okay. it desperately to win a competition. Yep. And if you, and coaches have to reinvent the wheel around staff and you know staff underneath them and roll staff around with them. It's strength and conditioning or assistant coaches or whatever. You might have a couple of stable staff you keep for a long time, but then you rotate voices around that. I think you need to change things up. Um, we had bowed out of the finals in some controversial terms. In for More than years. controversial, yeah. yeah. In a, in, in two a years or years, two years in a two row? Two years in a row. Yeah. And, and we, yeah, we sort of – we went on a run and made the finals in my last year there too. And, and you know, and, and Greeny came in and did a great job. Yep. The squad was ready to go. Um, he added a couple of players, which certainly – and he's a good coach and – and they and I was really happy that they got the job done. Uh, I'm disappointed I wasn't there yeah. for it. Uh, yeah, every coach's dream is to you know to win a grand final for their organisation. But um, you can't be bitter. I moved on and, and came down to the Titans, and and um, I was disappointed in how it panned out. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's a club decision. You laid the platform. Um, for the premiership, but didn't win the premiership. Paul Green did. Did anybody from the Cowboys ever pick up the phone and say, I know you weren't here on grand final day, but thanks? Oh, no, no. I think um, when, I, when I was going, I had a number of players come and see me and they they didn't agree with it. I had a good relationship with a number of guys. Yep. Um, but no, not really. I mean... Paul Green did mention. I mean, I, I Greeny came around to our house because he got the job, and I was sort of still there, um, you know, winding down. They were trying to get me to take all my leave and stuff. I said, I don't normally take leave at this time of the year, so you can stick that. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep yeah. my leave. Thank you very much. Yeah, rather than, pay me out. You can pay me out. And um, anyway, so I said, well, I'll keep sitting in my office until Greeny turns out. Will you have to wait for me? Which yeah. is true. <laughs> so I was just sitting there, not doing much. Anyway, and. Um, and, and he came around home and uh, sat down, we had a beer and, and talked. And he just wanted to know the lay of the lamb. I mean, he had the job. And yep. so, 
anyway, and um, so I just talking about things and the squad and who, you know, my ideas on it, uh, you know, who we should keep and who you could move on and things like that. So I was happy to do that. I didn't. The decision was made. You know, it was yeah. it was done and dusted, and uh, Kath couldn't quite believe it. But anyway, but that. I'm with Kath. Yeah, well, it was okay. I mean, I'd, I'd met Greeny before, and uh, and Paul had been up. He had some friends up in in Townsville anyway, and uh, we'd been to I think Matt Scott's wedding and things like that. So, okay. and he was he was coming through the ranks as as a coach. Yeah, well, I caught up with Matty Elliott because we had a coffee because I, he was moving off to Penrith and I was coming in. We we're just talking about yeah his his thoughts. I was quite yep. happy to have a chat with him because um, you know he had the squad, but he was losing a. A lot of players, uh, Simon Wolford, uh, Croker, Shivkowski, Jason Smith. There's about a thousand games of NRL experience leaving the Raiders when I took over. Like, and so with, that's why they predicted us to, to run last. That's right. Know? That was the prediction, wasn't <laughs> it? Was, it? Yeah, it was. We lose. Anyway, we didn't. Didn't. I think we came fifteenth or fourteenth. Anyway, but we avoided the wooden spoon. Um, but. Um, so I met with him to have a chat. So there is some coaches will do that, you know, mm. like they, they get on well enough or they, they'll just say, well, listen, I'm just, it's beneficial to probably have a chat about the club, you know. Some coaches won't. Um, but I, I had, a, a, yeah, had a brief had a conversation with, with, with Paul about the lay of the land anyway and, and I was still around. I didn't really have a job to go to until Surly called in up there and said that, Cardi, would you come down and be an assistant coach with Cardi down here at the Titans? I said, um, of, there was an opportunity to go to West Tigers under Mick Potter, um, but I thought, oh, the Gold Coast, we sort of used to have holidays up on the northern yep. rivers anyway, the Cabarita. I thought, oh, it'd be nice to come down here and it's off I came. So I um, came down and, and been here ever since. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. The relationship between an assistant coach and a head coach I can't see it being anything but a juggling act because the assistant actually wants the top job despite their denials. And if he doesn't aspire to have the top job, you probably don't want him there. But he's also got to do the right thing and be seen to do the right thing. Is it a difficult juggling act between head coach and assistant coach? It can be. I think the good guys are loyal. Yep. And the ones that aren't loyal... Get found out, I think. Mm. Um, you can, you know, you can have conversations. And, and I have, to be honest, I've had conversations with one or two assistant coaches I've had and I've just had to just say it as it is. Look, um, I'm the head coach. You're an assistant coach. You're here because I value your input. But if I hear a, a point of difference to what I've said to the group, yeah, and it gets back to me that it came from you, and you haven't broached it with me privately first, you'll be sacked. Get the so knife I'll out of my back. I'll sack you on the spot. Yep. And it doesn't have to be anything major. Yep. I said, but you cannot even be thinking that. But I, I want your input. So we're not always going to agree on things. You actually, you want assistant coaches yeah. to toss up different angles. I said, but we do that in my office or your office, not with players around. That's right. I said, you might, we might talk about things. And even when we're talking to the senior leadership group, we're not – we're not having different points of view if you're in on a meeting with senior leaders as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I, I said I've only had two conversations like that in 10 years 
um, to two different coaches. So it's sort of, but but by and large, and that's how I approach it. You've got to be loyal as an assistant coach. Um, when I was Muzz's assistant coach, I didn't even think I thought Egg was just being assistant coach. I never yeah. thought I'd be a head coach. I thought I'm coaching full time. How good is this? This will yeah. this will do me. How long can I do this for? Go, you know, or go back to teaching? And it, that's why I was so surprised. I went down to talk to the Raiders, and I think I got a bit of um, attention around Origin. Yes, for six seven you know, for six two thousand six anyway, and then and then that was happening. And I was a Canberra boy, so it sort of fell into place. But but I didn't have anyone out there beating my drum, and I certainly wasn't doing it myself. So I was just happy learning under Muzzard, doing my job, and it was. Initially, there was only two of us anyway, so we were flat out, you know, like, and it was a time when um, sports data was coming out, so you got the big bricks emailed up to you all the way up yeah. to town. I go out to the airport, pick them up, come and download the games, and, and so you could actually start doing stuff on the computer yep. pretty quickly rather than the old VHS cutting and, yeah. and edit. That was brutal. <laughs> that yeah. was. So anyway, but I, I, I think loyalty is paramount, and, um, and, I, and I think by and large – you know, the coaches have got it. Your time on the Gold Coast ended poorly and ended unfortunately. Your time there, though, how would you sum it up? There was a lot of work to do when you arrived. Yeah, it was difficult. Um, Cardi had done a fantastic job. Look, like Michael Searle and Cardi and the whole organisation, look, they got it up and running, you know, and uh, Paul Brown, they they just got it going, and I remember coming to the launch here in Q one and, and stuff, and it was fantastic. And and to get a game away from the grand final, I think in two thousand and ten, their initial recruitment was excellent. Like yeah. the players they got here, it was, and and things were going along fine. But it, it ended up being well, how do you churn out the older players and replace them with quality players coming in, and how you do that became a bit of an issue, I thought, yeah. around the roster. And I just came down here to, to help Cardi, and I was happy. I, I love Cardi. He was he's a good coach, and and but the club was struggling financially. Yes, and it would it, and there wasn't the income. They they around the never really, um, never recovered, uh, and and so it was a stage where um, they didn't own the building. There was debt mounting, and and certainly was trying to keep things going, and it, it ended up being a, a board got. Appointed, and then it then it finally came to you know to, to Daryl Kelly coming in with a bit of a rescue package to say, well, I'll put up a bit of money. Um, he'd come up to the Gold Coast to retire, but he <laughs> loved his footy, and he said, well, fortunate, uh, fortunately, he, he tossed in a bit of money, and and then the club uh, was taken over by the NRL. I mean, it's a rugby league heartland, and it would have been a shame. And I don't think that was ever going to. The NRL did their homework. I mean it. It, it's it's rugby league, you know, up here anyway. It has been for a long time, but securing um, money from you know corporate people and businesses is very hard on the Gold Coast. There's not a lot of, despite what people, my opinion is, there's not a lot of money in town. No. And um, uh, heads of businesses are in Melbourne, Sydney, Sydney or Brisbane. Brisbane yeah. uh, we're not in those, those those parts. So you need to be very successful. So yep. if you're winning. 10 out of your 12 home games and you're getting, you know, like they were getting good crowds. Yeah. You're getting average 18,000 or 20,000 every week. Um, things are flying. But once that starts to drop off and your corporate's thinking, actually, we can't quite afford that corporate box anymore and sponsorship yeah. becomes hard and you're not winning games, 
and then it's quite a quick decline and the revenue is not coming in. So um, it looks like now they're on the right path too. Yeah. And, um, and Justin Holbrook's done, you know, done a great job and their roster's building. In professional sport though, in, in any sport, the coach, the head coach, shouldn't be concerning themselves with the business finances. I mean, that is the oh. biggest distraction. Yeah, well, it becomes a distraction because it is a distraction. Yeah. Because um, not that I have to make any decisions about what they're doing business-wise. I mean, people do that. But the fact is – still that, in your mind. Well, the fact is if you can't spend your whole cap or, yep. or the club can't afford to do things, you know, we're on a budget. And that budget comes down to income, that you know, money coming in to service the playing group. Mm. Whether or not it's going on a camp or we're drive, self-driving a bus down to Ballina to do a, you know, a, a camp that costs us $5,000 and, and the NRL tip in because we do a few school visits yeah. compared to at the same time South Sydney went over to America and did a pre-season camp. That's the difference between yeah. the clubs. You know, we're, we're going down there and, and, and but we enjoyed it. It was yeah. great. You know, like, yeah. But that was our budget. Yeah, you know? and and so we couldn't really have those luxuries. But but I was I was very happy with. Uh, we had a few distractions here. It was a real transition phase when we had the NRL ownership, the, the bailout there. It was difficult times, and uh, I, I would have probably handled a couple of things, a couple of issues, a bit differently. But to by and large, to say I was disappointed um, how it transpired would be an understatement. The Jared Haynes saga, one you'd rather forget? Oh, look, it's just part of what it is. I mean, I don't, um, you know, Jared's a um, pretty complex beast. Um, he's the first to admit he's not the greatest trainer in the world. Um, but, you know, he can play football. Uh, he can attract people to watch him. Um, he's certainly a talent. Um, we didn't see the best of him. Um, there were some distractions. There were, were things happening that, um, in my personal opinion, he wasn't prepared to go where he needed to go for yep. what he was on. Um, but in a corporate sense, it attracted sponsorship to the club and, uh, and attracted some people on seats. So it was good. But again, that is such a complex it is spider and, web, isn't it? It is, and it's something that if you've got cultural issues, that it makes it very difficult. And so. Um, that could have been dealt with a bit differently, for sure. Um, and um, and I'll leave it at that. But at the end of the day, we went from a hard-working team that played finals footy to a team that was nowhere near playing finals footy within you know ten months. In a hypothetical, how would a chief financial officer at a football <laughs> club deal with the football coach coming in and telling him where he should be spending his money? Because that was almost what they were doing to you. You're, they were taking your salary cap off you. They were taking your pathways cap off you. Someone with a calculator was determining your program. Well, we, we, we had to run with a budget and we can all understand that. And if the money's not coming in through other areas, well, the, you know, the football department cops it. Look... In, in mixed in all that, I will say they did a fantastic job. We got Parkwood up and running, like the training yeah. base there. Anyway, like um, there were things happening that were making the club better. We went from having no base to training at the TSS school. That's for right, a while, which is fantastic. Yeah, and we were there, and they were very accommodating. But then when the scandal came out around the cocaine, yep, 
obviously we had to move from there. Burley, Burley Bears were accommodating mm. there. It was fantastic. We were working out of demountables. It didn't matter. Um, had the oval and the space there, and we, we played finals footy. Mm. Um, you don't need the flash centre to do that. You just need some hard-working players. Um, and in the meantime, uh, Daryl behind the scenes was um, – you know, looking at Parkwood and what we could do there. And, they, and they've got a fantastic facility there. And I'm just a bit sad that I couldn't be there for a few more years, but they've even improved it since then. Um, so I think what they've got now from where they were, um, they've sort of had it all, lost it, and they've come back again. And I think that the organisation um, is on the up and, uh, you know, winning the last five games, I think that that really has raise expectations yeah. for next season and I think their roster's improving as well. So I think rugby league on the Gold Coast deserves a good team to support Agreed. and a consistent team, so hopefully that happens. Moving back into the Queensland system as an assistant in 2020 and winning, winning against the odds, how satisfying? Yeah, it was great. Like, oh, I hadn't been, you know, since 2009, so probably 11 years out of that sort of – but I, you forget – and it, it's even special because – you normally come in for three nine-week camps, say, and um, and they were pretty good back in the day. Um, but actually being in this bubble and being 25 days with a, you know, 27 players and staff, it was it was unique. Yeah. You know, and and no one really thought we were a serious threat. Now, and and to be fair, we probably shouldn't have been. But you know, there's, there's these things happen all the time. You know, in the game, and uh, well, I certainly been replicated in origin over the years. And, Hasn't it? And it was just great. It was great to be working with Wayne, who I'd never really worked with, and, and Mal, who I knew. And then I'd, I'd be there as well. And um, we got on well, and and, uh, and the young boys that came in just stepped up. Obviously very personal, personally satisfying. Was origin this year professionally reinvigorating? Your name is back out there. Do you want a full-time gig or are you happy? Uh, it's it's what I've been asked that a couple of times. I really haven't pushed for full time, and that, that's not to say that look, there's people out there jumping and say, "Let's get Neil in to be coach." I mean, I don't. I'm not promoting it. Yeah. Um, I have had a couple of opportunities to, to work in clubs, a couple of clubs as uh, like a you know general manager of footy, yep. or you know, and but I thought oh, I just like my coaching, and then I have had a couple of offers to be an assistant coach, which I haven't taken up. So I haven't, but I've. I'm sort of entrenched here down at Chugan. We build our house there. I'm happy here. And I've been able to do some coach education stuff with the NRL, the Rise Development Program for 13 to 15-year-olds. I've done some coaching with Brad Donald with the Jillaroos, yeah. Mal with the Prime Minister's 13, the World Nines with both the women's and the men's team. Um, I had the Junior Kangaroos for two years. Last year it was uh, under-23s against France. It was mm. a fantastic team. Um Hopefully that concept comes back like an Australia A team. Yeah. Um, and if I can stay in that space and, and live here and do bits and pieces, but I really did enjoy some hands-on coaching. A wonderful professional career to date, many memories and achievements, and I just get the feeling the journey is far from over. Neil Henry, you, sir, are a legend. A new episode of the Legend series drops every Tuesday and the Weekly Wodge every Thursday. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and follow us on social media at The Andy Raymond. Then you won't miss a thing. Come back soon 
legends 